welcome to Sports Chat Radio for this Thursday, the 21st of October. Thanks for tuning into the radio, guys. This is going to be a big, big episode as we look at a deep dive into a sport we haven't really covered so far in the series. Um, we're going to have a deep dive into rugby union. We're going to have a look at the real problems with rugby union at the moment. We're going to have a deep dive into the Wallabies. We're also going to look at the way Rugby Union stacks up against its biggest rival in uh, other sporting code, Rugby League, and the NRL more specifically. So we're going to have a look at Rugby Union. This is going to be really good. Thanks for tuning into the radio. I'm your host, Jude Henderson, and we're going to, we're going to get right into it, guys. At the moment, the current state of Rugby Union in this, in this country is really poor. We've got some real issues at club level in the Super Rugby competition. After the uh, the adding of South African teams into the into the um, Super Rugby, there's been some real issues around scheduling, around um, competition integrity, allowing the comp to really become something that is really crucial to uh, making sure the success of the comp is always at its highest standard. So I think at the moment. Rugby Union's in a really delicate place, uh, especially in Australia. Um, after a really successful rugby championship campaign for the Wallabies in which they finished second to the New Zealand All Blacks, that kind of glossed over a lot of the issues that have been brewing for a long time. They've got some real issues with talent. Um, they've really had some some really talented schoolboys playing Rugby Union and then deciding to take the, the money and the opportunity that comes with playing in the NRL. Now, this is a real issue for, for Union because it's shutting down a lot of their talent streams into the top level. But I think Rugby Union have a, a historic base that will allow them to actually get out of this slump and recapture the, the real the eye of the Australian public in the sporting landscape in which those teams and rugby union in the 90s really had a hold on that, on, on the Australian, on the Australian people and the, in the sport they watched, you know, you look at those world cup winning teams, um, you know, the teams with guys like George Gregg and Joe Roth, uh, those sort of characters um, in the, in the 90s and into the early 2000s. I think that, uh, that national pride has really gone out of out of Union. Um, I think at the moment Union's really struggling commercially. I think they're struggling. They've had some real issues, especially in the um, Australian Rugby Union uh, ranks. There's been some real division. Um, a lot of changes at the CEO position. Um, they really haven't had much corporate continuity there, which has really hurt the real feel of the game. And I think it's really hurt their ability to attract new and youthful partnerships and sponsorships with companies that are able to, to fund uh, bigger contracts for players, but also the ability to fund infrastructure around clubs to promote more people uh, coming to games, but also buying memberships and contributing in that way. And I think corporately, they're really failing. Um, I think for me, I think rugby union is one of the least watched sports um, out there, and for a mainstream sport like rugby union that's played uh, a lot at the junior level, the the fact that it's not broadcast in such a way that the public can can watch and and enjoy it is really um, a detriment to 
to the real um, to the wider game. And I think right now the NRL and and rugby league in general is really um, really trumping anything that union is dishing up at the moment. Rugby league is is booming at the moment. Commercially, they're really sound. They're making a lot of money off the field. Really good corporate leadership um, through people like Peter Valandis. They've been able to really put together massive broadcast rights deals to make um, the game really well funded. And that's made NRL clubs be able to have salary caps that are much larger than the union salary caps. They've been able to keep absolutely hugely talented multi-sport athletes, union and league schoolboys. They've been able to give them the money they deserve to keep them in the game. And you think, you know, people should be playing for for things outside money. And I think there is a number of players that do that. But money comes into it. You know, when you've got guys as talented as the people we're seeing at the moment in the league, it's no, there's no fault in them wanting to be compensated for the amount of revenue they're bringing in for the NRL, but also the wider, you know, wider people at Clubland. These, these stars are putting performances out there that are very attractive to sponsorship, but also it's just eyes on TVs, and they're getting that, the rugby, rugby league fellas. They're getting that. So what can Union do? I think Union has a really unique upside that no other sport in Australia has. You know, If you think of Australian pride in sports, you think maybe the Olympics. But I think the Olympics is a dying... Uh, dying sporting culture, you might say, maybe a dying sport in a lot of ways as a whole. And that's many sports. And I think the Olympics isn't watched that highly, even though it's, you know, even though it's a huge, huge stage, I think, you know, no, no one wants to watch, you know, ice skating followed by, you know, badminton. I certainly don't. So I think Union have this thing where they can capture the national pride element of of sport. What I mean by that is what they could do is they could really put a lot of emphasis around young players playing for the, the Wallabies jumper. They really need to get that back. They No one else can do it. The NRL have a pseudo-Australian team, the Kangaroos, I think they're more of a bit of a display for the NRL, a bit of a showcase, get the best players out there. You know, get get Kalen Ponga and Nathan Cleary on the same team and let's just promote the game, you know, pump a few dollars into it, get a bit out of it. You know, we'll play once every year or something. It's a pseudo team for me. The Wallabies are steeped in tradition, the World Cup, that sort of stuff. They've got this unique opportunity to capture that market again. I definitely believe this is... The opportunity for them. Now, one thing they've got to emulate is what the All Blacks have done with their national national sporting culture. Is you know playing for the jumper and all the things that I've I've read about in books like Legacy around the All Blacks culture is the jumper means so much to them, and this is really the attraction for young players. But then you've also got to look at why players don't want to pursue union and play for the jumper. And that really goes for that really goes to the reasons why they pick NRL clubs is that they know that they're gonna get well paid in their rookie contracts. 
but they also know that they've got an opportunity to play representative footy straight away if they play at the level. You know, Wallabies players are generally picked later than than other sports. They get picked in their early 20s, 23. They don't get picked when they're 19. This, I think, needs to change too. You know, if I'm, if I'm a very talented schoolboy rugby union player, such as someone like Caelan Ponga or Angus Crichton, and I go, I'm not going to be able to play for my state or my country until I'm 23, plus I'm going to be paid much less, well, it doesn't add up. So first, you've got to address the money issue. You've got to try to attract sponsorship and be able to give clubs money that they can pay for these star rookies coming out of school and pay them what they're worth. They firstly need to do that. They need to be able to pay guys properly. And then you've got to say, if you play well at super rugby level and play well at club level, you've got an opportunity to play whenever. You could be 18 and you can you can debut for the Wallabies. And that's not taking the honour of playing for the Wallabies lightly. I don't I don't definitely don't mean that. I mean if you're, you're, we're not going to pick the thing that the Wallabies have been doing for a while is you pick the old, the old trusted. You pick the person that's earned the respect, the old, the old fella that you pick, and that that's okay, and I understand that. But it's not the way forward. You can't keep picking dead horses, and just keep whipping them every game. There, there, you need to regenerate talent, and the way you do that is you got to look at your younger players, and you go, this guy is playing better football than this older guy. Let's get him in. You know, youth over experience at times works, but they need to make sure that these young guys are ready, and they're, they're ready because they've got an incentive to play well at club level because they know they're going to get opportunity in the Wallabies, and they know they're going to get compensated at club level for the output they put in. So you've got to fix that up. You know, and the... I think if you can fix the payout, and it doesn't have to be polar, you know, it doesn't have to be the same as the NRL, it just has to be a little bit better. Then you go with the national pride, you smash the national pride, I'm talking advertising, marketing, you smash this national pride, play for the jumper, play for the jumper, all these people have done it, you want to play for Australia, you play rugby union. You smash that, you get that out, and I think that'll attract a certain breed of athlete, especially these talented schoolboys. You know, you look at some of these players that play NRL that were schoolboy level, Australian schoolboy or New Zealand schoolboy level players that are now playing in the NRL when they could be playing for the Wallabies. You know, as I've mentioned, people like Caelan Ponga. Caelan Ponga should be a fly half or a halfback or a fullback in the Wallabies right now. He's that good. And if you look at his churchy's church grammar school highlights it's out of this world in rugby union so good on his feet strong passer breaks the lines he's he's a star and he should be playing for him and then you look at even people people like you know the big fella tyson frizzell frizzell was a extremely talented union player an australian schoolboy and he decided to make a business decision and take an offer from NRL and reject an offer from, I'm pretty sure it was New South Wales Waratahs at that moment. Um, and then he ended up playing at origin level and kangaroos level and he had a great, you know, he's having a great career. So, and then even another one, you know, if you look at a guy that's playing some really good footy at the moment in 
Angus Crichton. Now, Crichton's a big, he's aggressive, one of the best schoolboy union players many have seen. This guy was, was amazing. And he decided that he... He picked picked NRL because of the opportunities he would get earlier. He believed that the Waratahs who offered him a contract were not going to let him play Super Rugby until he was the age of twenty three. That's what I'm talking about. You're not getting an opportunity early. It's it's just ill management. You think Angus Crichton? You look at him playing NRL. Wouldn't be a good Wallabies or Super Rugby player. Spare me. I mean, this guy can play. He needs the opportunity early. Then he took a deal from South, plays for the Sydney Rabbitohs now. Sorry, Sydney Roosters now. This guy is a guy who could play. He's for me, he's a centre. You know, I, I see him as playing the you know the twelve number, playing inside centre, just chewing up meters. You know, maybe even a flanker, um, bit undersized, maybe. Maybe I mean, could he be that? I don't know. But this guy could play. So these are just a couple of names that are being left on the table, left off the table for Union. They need to be able to capture these guys. They need to be able to capture these guys. Rugby Union is a sport that is really suited to a certain class of person or family. It's the upper class. It's the gentleman's game. You know, it dominates this private school level, mostly Catholic school level, Catholic or more more broader religious school school level. You know, and they're really closing themselves off to a lot of talent right now. You know, they're they're picking from the private schools in places like Sydney, Queensland, those areas, but then they're not allowing the scouts to have a look at players that play in the public system. The reason why the NRL do so well with bringing in high-end talent is because they have a very wide net of recruitment. They look at public and private. NRL tap into the private, the working-class areas of society and go, there's gems here. Maybe they're not getting the sponsorship from a church grammar or a St. Joseph's nudgy, but these guys are talented union players and we'll just, we'll just bring them over to the league because... There's five NRL team scouts there and the union guys in Bondi looking for top-end talent at a, at a private school when you've got 15 guys that could be on, on rugby union, super rugby lists right now. So there's issues there. There's cultural issues. There's a little bit of elitism in the sport for me. You know, it's... I think a lot of players come into the sport as hot shots coming out of school, don't have that hardworking mindset, you know, that that adversity that a lot of these NRL players coming out of these um, hard environments have, especially if you're talking about guys that are strong defenders, aggressive, can take the hits, can get injured and keep playing. A lot of these NRL players come from those areas, you know, you know, Punch Bowl, Redfern, those areas, you know, the western suburbs of Sydney, and and the, and rugby union are just not even having a look at these kids, not even not even reviewing them. This is a this is a blight on 
on the game because the shortage of talent is staggering in the rugby union game. And they're so ignorant to go, you know what, we're not going to invest in infrastructure and pathways in the public school outer suburbs areas. We're just going to go and, you know, you know, drink, drink some tea and have some scones watching private school rugby. I mean, it's just, it's insane to think. And right now, rugby league is going to keep bringing in the best talent because the best talent don't always get scholarships at big schools, even though some, a lot of them do. They're a talent that's, that's through the cracks that you can find. Now, you look at, there's something that union can do as well. They need to be really aggressive with their recruitment. And I've talked a lot about recruitment here because talent shortage is key. We need to get the talent into union. All right, so I think rugby union have just got to go, you know, NRL, we're going to tarnish this relationship because we're going after their players. I'd be going for, I'd be going to every NRL team. I'd be getting their jersey flag or under-20s team list. I'd be going down the list. I'd be ringing every one of them. I'd be getting them into, into camps, into trial sessions, and I'd be convincing them to come. Yeah, paid flight. Set them up like a college, like a college visit in an, in the NFL or the college game. You come over, we'll put you in a hotel. You can stay for three days. We'll put you through your paces, and we'll get some talent. Then, then you get some there. Then you go. We need to poach a couple of high end NRL players right now. We need to go to Nelson Osofa Solomona, who was a very good rugby union player as a junior, and go. We've got we've got a we've got a back row spot for you at the Melbourne Rebels, here's a $950,000 contract. And this is bold. Will it, will it work all the time? No. But you've got to get it in. You've got to get the wider audience to be greater because you bring in these people that are so polarising. People are going to want to watch if Connor Watson or Kalen Ponga goes to Union. It's going to be a massive coup. You know, they've got players like Vunavalu, um, Corabetti, who came over from, from the NRL, but they probably weren't the big stars that they could get um, currently. If they could get a Ponga over right now and play him for the Wallabies, imagine what they could do. I think it could be almost an instant reboot of the game if they were able to bring in one or two, and even more than that, NRL stars and convert them over to Union because... That could be good. You know, if you imagine these guys, Tyson Frizzell in a, in a Wallabies jersey, the relevancy of the game goes up so much higher. And this is going to be difficult. And the NRL guys, they're tough. They've got very good player managers. They're going to make sure they stay in the game. But Union have to make a bid for these guys if they are to broaden their their scope of players and make sure that their super rugby teams are stocked to talent, which then allows their Wallabies team to have the pick of the best. Right now, the Wallabies have some players that are just, they're overused and their output is just terrible. Not terrible, but just, they're, they're mediocre players. You know, should should a 30-year-old Quade Cooper be the fly half for the Wallabies at the moment? In my book, no. Quade Cooper's been out of the game a while. Yes, has he been has he been bad? No, he's been quite good. But is there is there a fly half playing in Super Rugby at the moment that is twenty 
years old and that could come in and play a role, yeah, will he be good? Will he be as good as Quaid straight away? Probably not. But you've got to invest in talent. You've got Reese Hodge, who continually gets picked, who is very untalented for me. You know, he's got a big boot and everyone's fascinated with that. But what else does he give you? He's, is, he, is, he, is he very mobile? No. Is he, does he make a lot of mistakes with ball in hand, dropping high balls? Yeah, he does. So you're just going to keep picking him off the bench all the time because, you know, he's a good bloke? I mean, come on. You need to, there needs to be some ruthlessness here. Should Nick White be getting a game every week? For me, I'll probably still pick him, but he needs to be... You've got Joe Powell. You've got a number of those guys. You've got McDermott there, who's, for me, McDermott and Powell are the guys that need to be taking this team to the next level. You know, who's the next captain of the Wallabies? Who is? That's got to be key too. Hooper's, Hooper's getting, old, getting old. Could it be bringing over one of these 20-year-old guns in the NRL and say, you know what, mate? Here's an opportunity at Super Rugby level. Show enough. Straight to the leadership group. Works hard. He's your next Wallabies captain. Bang. But if we keep playing these players that just have these shallow ceilings and just keep playing them and expecting a different result. It's insanity for me. When when the World Cup comes, the biggest stage, you know, with all respect, rugby championship, it's good and all, but the big dog, the World Cup, if we keep playing these guys, we're going to get to a level. The All Blacks and the Springbok are better than us in all facets. Yes, did we beat the Springbok a couple of times in the Rugby Championship? Yeah, but they were, they were heavily depleted. Justin Kobe wasn't playing. So come World Cup time, their culture and their talent is much better than Australia's. We'll get beaten. I wouldn't even be surprised if the Pumas, you know, knocked us off. But their culture and ability to get the job done is just way greater than us. It is, it is huge. You know, why? Because their national pride is so strong that they're getting players at junior level going, all I want to do is play for the jumper. That's something the Wallabies are going to have to have to learn. It's going to take a while. What they can do is bring in marquee players that will allow more junior players to go, I want to be like him. That will help. And then drive that forward. You've got opportunities here. Union need to adopt a culture of excellence. You're not going to get picked just because you're the coach's friend. You're not going to get the, you're, not going to, you're not going to get picked because you've got you got runs on the board. No, everyone's on notice. You know, standards. Where's the standards here in the Wallabies? Where's that ruthless aggression? Is Tom Banks a player for the future? I don't know. Is he? Not hundred percent sure to be honest. Is Tom Banks the future of? The Wallabies lineup. Yeah, he's a solid player. I don't know if he's a future though, to be honest. I like a guy like Andrew Kellaway. He's a he's a, he's a player. I like him. I think if you look, if you review the Wallaby side now, you know Hunter Hunter Parsami, very good player. I really like him. Um, I think the resurgence of a guy like James O'Connor. I think he's a guy. Um, obviously not long term. He's getting on a little bit. I think James Slipper's getting on. Um, 
But for me, like, who are we going to keep picking? Like, if we look at the squad here, the amount of guys that they've got listed and contracted for the Wallabies is yeah, is, is baffling, that baffling for me. Old guys, you know. You look at Matt Tamua, Nick White, Reese Hodge, you know, someone like Scott Seo. These guys are old guys. They need to be regenerated with youth for me. Are they bad players? No, not by any stretch. But there, need to be, there needs to be a long-term approach here for me. You know, there needs to be there needs to be a long-term view of things. You know, you know, there needs to be a culture of let's give this young bloke a chance. Let's not let an Angus Crichton choose rugby league because he's not going to get a game at club level until he's twenty-three. No, you're twenty. You're twenty, and you've got the skills and you've shown it. Come and have a go. You've got to do that. You know, they've got to make sure that youth's always going through their team because longevity is important. And even though you've got to pick experience, and I understand the importance of experience, you know, I think Mike Hooper is a great captain. But he needs young players coming through, which prolongs the, the brand of the Wallabies. You can't have guys that have got ceilings that allow them to only play at a certain level. You know, we've got to bring in a level of youth that will inspire change in the Wallabies organisation. And it starts from the top. You know, they need good governance, governance, and then it needs to filter down into the playing group. You know, Alan Alatoa, he's a good player too. Get on. Good player too. Let's make sure that there's someone right behind him trying to take his spot. And what's that going to do if there's... If there is a a level and a pool of players behind these Wallabies currently that are knocking on the door, what's that going to do to the, to the players currently in the squad? They're going to go to a new level. They're going, to, they're going to be so afraid of losing their spot. They're going to train harder. They're going to play better. They're going to be better technically. They're going to go out and put a better performance in. And that makes the Wallabies be a much more formidable team and win more games over big nations. There needs to be depth in the organisation. And depth only comes when the talent's available. The Wallabies need to address that. I think, for me also, just as well, let's make sure the Wallabies players are compensated for what they do as well. You know, I saw something, the disparity between, say, the English rugby union team and the Australian rugby union team in pay is profound. You know, I'm just, um, the Wallabies, on average, from what I gather, earn about ten grand a game, and the English earn about twenty. So twenty grand, a ten grand difference there, that's significant. And you can talk about money, and you can talk about how players don't want to be playing for money, but it comes into it. And I think if you get that get that pay right, players are at ease. You know, if you look at if you look at the All Blacks. Um, if, on James Haskell's podcast, they talked about Wall, uh, All, Black, All Blacks pay. And um, they mentioned that the All Blacks make about, they make a weekly pay for their Wallabies, uh, sorry, All Blacks performance. They make about 7500 a week. So if you're in camp for six weeks, you know, that's a, 
you know, a 40 grand plus bit of cheddar there. And I think even though we think that the All Blacks play at a level that's irrespective of the money they earn, they do earn a tremendous amount and it helps. They know that they need to play well at Super Rugby level and they may be underpaid at Super Rugby level, but they know if they can get to that level, they're going to be paid well and they get to represent the jumper. So that's interesting there. I never thought that the All Blacks were paid like this. I thought they'd just play for the jumper. No. They do just play for the jumper, but they need that kicker just to put them at a baseline level of general mood about playing for the All Blacks. Yeah, I'm going to get My family's going to be looked after. Bang. All right. Done. Leave it there. Let's move on. You know, really key. Really, really key. Um, moving forward, we're just going to have a quick look at the current landscape of the uh, the cricketing world at the moment leading up to the Ashes. We've got a we've got some sad news with James Pattinson retiring from international cricket at the age of 31. This is sad news for the for the uh, the Australian team. I had Pattinson very very close to being picked for the first Ashes test for me. I thought he'd take Mitchell Stark's spot in the in the bowling cartel. I think that James Pattinson is an aggressive quick who bowls nice speed. I think he's got a little bit less strike than Stark, but he makes up for that with control. I think he's a controlled bowler. Stark's a bit wild. Tends to really give up a lot of key runs um, at certain times in the game. I had him pick, so it's really sad news. Um, really, a few videos and Instagram stories have emerged of Ben Stokes in England. Looking like he's recovered from a hand injury um, after a layoff of cricket, and he's really sparking up a rumour mill around his eligibility and his selection in the Ashes team come December. This is really frightening for Australian fans because Ben Stokes is the danger man in the English setup. He's a guy who can take key wickets, but his batting is out of this world. He fears no one. He takes on the opposition. He's a very, very good player at Ashes level. He will be a guy who will play a key role if he's ready for selection. He's going to be... He could be a guy that could inspire probably a squad that doesn't look like it will challenge Australia. Um, even though they've got some okay players, Joe Root, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, I think that... I think Ben Stokes adds an edge. He adds a competitive edge. Um, he has that... I don't really care who you are mentality. He doesn't care. He, if, you, if you're if you Mitchell Stark and you're bowling 150 and you bowl a half volley, it's going on the fence. Um, he's aggressive. He likes to trash talk. Um, he's an underrated bowler. If he plays, look out. I think you're going to have a bit more of a series. Um, at the moment, I've got the, the Aussies not dropping a test. Um, I just think they're too good. They've got such a settled lineup. We've also got to look at the Sheffield Shield at the moment. Um, Travis Head making a double ton in the Shield. So he's well and truly, for me, uh, wrapped up that number five batting spot, um, batting really well at the moment. Um, his hands and timing looks really good, moving his feet well. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see um, how the lineup goes out. Um, it looks pretty set. Um, the only thing is Will Pukowski, 
he's sweating on selection with another concussion. Um, he has a intensive history of concussion, um, really knocked him around, um, as well as some history of some mental health struggles as well surrounding um, his his life and also his um, susceptible um, concussion problems. Um, his concussion issues has been really severe. So he's been hit again in the head uh, by bouncers. So he'll have to really pass a lot of lot of tests to get, get right. I've got him as the opener. Um, if he doesn't play, it'd be really interesting who they go with. Um, if they go with a debutante, um, if they go with some experience, I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, could you could you shuffle the order around a little bit and really uh, pick some guys that might be able to you know shuffle around? Um, I think someone like um, Young Harris, who's opened before with David Warner, uh, Marcus Harris, I think is an okay option. He's a solid guy. I don't think he's an outstanding cricketer, but he might be able to get the nod. Um, You've got a couple of guys, maybe and a guy like Alex Carey could open in the batting, um, could debut uh, Aaron Finch always around the mark. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm also thinking that this will be the last test match for test series, sorry, for Tim Payne. Um, I think he'll hang up the gloves and um, give up the captaincy at the end of this series for me. Uh, for me, it's, it's pretty obvious. Um, you give the captaincy back to Steve Smith, He's the best player in the world. He's the best leader in the world. He had one slip up with the ball tamper incident in South Africa, but I think you've got to look at points on the board and the person that he is now. I think he needs it. He's the right man for the job. Um, and I think, for me, he's got the skills to make Australia the number one test team and make that, make that ranking prolonged as well. So... Steve Smith is a guy, he's going to be probably, for me, he's my tip for player of the series again. You know, getting out Steve Smith's the hardest task in the history of cricket, really. Um, he's the best player since Bradman. Um, he's he's a football, tra- uh, sorry, he's a cricket tragic and he's someone that is just so dangerous. He has every shot, every shot, he's great through the covers, great off his pads, good against the spin. Um, so good luck, good luck playing him in the Ashes. And it's going to be an interesting series starting in early December. Um, I think Australia should be able to really dominate the Poms. Um, and I'll be I'll be definitely sitting on the couch watching as many balls as possible. Love the Test Cricket. Um, it's the best format of all. Better than T20. Test Cricket's the best. It's the pure, pure uh, most loved form of the game. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a fascinating series. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch that. So this will conclude a really exciting Thursday edition of Sports Chat Radio. We had a look at the state of rugby union in this nation, Australia. We had a look at the Wallabies. We also had a look at the NRL um, to a lesser degree as well. And really gave you a bit of an insight into my thoughts around what rugby union could do to become a better, a better sport in general and become a sport that's more relevant and gets the relevancy it deserves from a sport that was so dominant through the 90s and early 2000s. It's been really good. Just did a little bit of a review of the current cricket news. A few um, key points there. Very exciting series coming up with the 2021-22 Ashes series. 
between Australia and England. Um, can't wait for that bad boy. And this has been Sports Chat Radio. I've been Jude Henderson. You enjoy your Thursday and have yourself a great day.